Our call to worship is found in Hebrews 10, 5 to 7. In your pew Bible, uh, it's 1113. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings, you were not pleased. Then I said, Here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, my God. Today's second scripture reading is found in Romans 5, 6 through 8, which is page 1041 on your pew Bibles. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ had died for us. Hopefully this will be the second time uh, that you guys have gotten to experience Stephen and his wonderful ministry. Um, and if this is your first, I can assure you, assure you you're in for a treat. Um, Stephen is uh, the author of 13 books and uh, books that he's written with Mark Finley and um, Voice of Prophecy. Um, he's also had over 300 telecasts um, within um, the, the spiritual work that he does. Uh, he's a telly and an Angel Award-winning producer. Um, again, he has written for It Is Written and Lonnie Meloshenko. Um, and uh, he's... Um, He's grown up in this, uh, in this denomination and has been a lifelong supporter of, um, of our faith and our values. Um, uh, so I'm blessed today to, um, uh, to, to bring him and welcome him here again and um, ask you to give him a warm welcome as he presents uh, the likely suspects, Stephen Mosley. Amen. Good morning. It is good to be with you again, especially in this beautiful uh, Christmas setting. Very nice. You know, I'm sure we have celebrated, of course, the wonderful gift, the birth of Christ during the Christmas season. And now we're looking at the beginning of the next year, of course. And it's good, I think, as we look at a new year to think about the biggest event in Christ's life that affects us, impacts the whole world. But you know, there's a challenge to that. There's a big challenge that I face in communicating the word through uh, ministries at the Adventist Media Center for so long. Let me give you an example, okay? Do you know one of the most successful advertising campaigns in history was Coca-Cola? I mean, many years ago, remember those round red and white signs, drink Coca-Cola. And uh, everybody in America is drinking that, and people all over the world are. But you know what happened after two or three years? They started taking all those signs down. Why? Because they became invisible. <laughs> when, when a sign is all over the place, you stop seeing it, right? <clears throat> I mean, I hope you still see the stop sign, okay? Please. <laughs> But things become invisible, and I believe that's one of our challenges in our faith in Christ. 
What is the most common symbol in all of Christianity? The cross. Jesus died for your sins. Everybody's heard that, and everybody's heard of it a hundred times. Atheists, not everybody. Yeah, yeah, I know. Jesus died for my sins. And of course, we believe in that. Believe that it's, his forgiveness is so profound, but to be honest, sometimes it's a little difficult for that cross to really have an impact because it's so familiar. We've heard of his suffering, all that experience so long. One of my big challenges is how can the cross be rediscovered? How can it really sink in deeply once more? Well, in my whole Bible presentations, I decided I had to think of somebody who was the most difficult guy to ever kneel down at the foot of the cross. Who's the guy you can imagine who would be the hardest to really, really feel, see what Christ discovered at the cross, what he did at the cross? Well, for me anyway, he was this old school private eye, this detective, just the facts, man. Those kind of types. That's who I had to see as the most skeptical person, Humphrey Bogart, whoever. And he wanted to be Mr. Cool. So I had to figure out what would it take, what would it take to make this guy really see the cross? And my prayer is that today you will rediscover it in a new, wonderful way. It's my privilege to present this morning likely suspects the whole Bible in one mystery. Of all the murders, of all the poor saps, and all the sorry places, I had to get stuck on this one. Talk about a cold case. Body's long gone, if they ever had one. Perps are ancient history. But people keep wanting to reopen the case. New investigation. Go over the crime scene one more time. Find out exactly what killed him. Why do you have to die? Well, you'd think they'd have the trigger, man. Did him away in front of a big audience, for pity's sake. It's no secret. But uh, the religious people have this idea that the key to all the troubles of humanity are gathered in some dump called Golgotha. And if we can just get behind the crime, we'll get to the key to all our problems, the root of all evil. I'm Sammy Slade, old school private eye, and I couldn't exactly turn him down. Anyway, why not wrap this case up once and for all? Because I got to tell you, I get a little tired hearing about it. You ever get tired of hearing about it? Some poor Joe felt so sorry about all my sins, he up and got crucified, and I can jolly well go to heaven if I please? Sorry, I don't have near enough on my rap sheet for all that. So, why not just go back and nail the real culprits? Yeah, I mean... Sure, find out why this Messiah had to die, but get the names. Who's got this old blood on their hands? 
put this cold case back in the drawer. We don't have to spread all this guilt around. So, I had to zero in on the likely suspects, enemies out to get him. Who were they? Well, the more I dug, the more I realized there's a chain of events that goes through the whole Bible that leads up to the crime. Yeah, enemies of the Messiah. Who were the bad guys in the Bible? Who stands out? Well, you've got to start with the enemies of Israel. What's more, to get the lowdown on these old suspects, you've got to see them as real people, a certain personality type, not just some figure in history. You've got to kind of put on the character. Because you're trying to get inside their skin, get the angle on why this kind of person might have done it. Yeah. Take the Philistines, for example. First bad guys in the Bible, enemies of Israel, weren't they clans running around the hill country of Canaan, just living off the land, shearing sheep, milking cows, holding tight to their old ways in secret groves? Well, all that makes me think of folks making moonshine. I had to think of what Philistine Lester might say if you stuck him in a lineup. Israelites. Israelites make me hop and mad. Foreigners coming in here. I'll tell you what. They keep saying, oh, we're on a mission from God. It's our land. Take your blasted mission somewhere else. Oh, oh, they think they're big city folk. Because they've been to Egypt, you know, seen the pyramids. Pyramids. There's no such thing. Everybody knows that. Oh, patriarchs, patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. They come from another planet. These foreigners. Why else they want to got that one Jehovah God up there, huh? What's that about? Oh, Ten Commandments. Ten Commandments. What's that gonna do for you? Thou shall not kill. Well fine, but you got your family feud to settle, you know. Some folks don't see light without a little shotgun. Don't commit no adultery. Well, for sure, you don't want your women folk running around them high places. But a man, man got gumption, you know, nothing you can do about that. Oh, they keep saying we're writing up the Bible. Bible. Let me tell you why. You let me done, you let me know when it's done. Because the first five books, huh, ain't many a man born can get through Leviticus. Holy temple. Temple, holy temple over there. Well, they bring in lambs and goats to sacrifice all the time. And some good cattle. Take your best heifers, you know, best of the stock, and burn them up. Burn them up on the altar. Don't bring none of that Jehovah God in here. Huh. Oh, oh, he's Lord in heaven, did he? Let me tell you something. If he's Lord in heaven, you can't do nothing with him. You gotta have him down here. We can do a little negotiate, see? I do a little ceremony, 
You come through. Yeah. Philistines. Sworn enemies of Israel. Israel was supposed to bring the world the Messiah, right? Teach everybody about the one covenant of God, Messiah. And these Philistines are trying to destroy them. Patriarchs barely survived. Judges had to constantly fight, fight them off. Yeah. I picture smug, ignorant people. Fellows always trying to go simple on you. Put us a lot of stock and we was here first. Of course they sort of mistrusted these newcomers, Israel. So maybe that's the basic human problem. Ignorance, prejudice. Something better comes along, you don't want any part of it. Yeah. Ignorance could have killed the Messiah. So, kept following the leads. Israel settles down in Canaan, won some battles with the locals, got themselves set up in a place called Zion. Yeah, supposed to become a regular nation, light on a hill, lessen the ignorance. But the more I got into the kings, king, the more I saw another suspect step into the spotlight. So many of these kings of Israel dealt away their nation's best hopes, turned their backs on their own God. So, Hebrew kings faking faith, falling for idols. What kind of person does that? What's the type? Again, you got to see them as real people, a certain personality type. They were flighty, making alliances here, alliances there, always giving in to pressure. It's like they'd flop down before every idol that waltzed by. Well, to me, there were kings who turned into girly girls. I mean the weak, manipulative type of woman. Ahaz, for example, I put a spotlight on him as the girly girl gone back. Well, I guess I have to explain away why I gave all the temple treasures to the king of Assyria. Everybody keeps talking about it like it's such a bad thing. Well, Pekah started. Pekah, he's the king of Israel. I'm, I'm the king of Judah. We split up. You didn't hear about that? It's a nasty man. Well, Syria, Israel joined forces. They want to create some big army. Army. They lay siege to Jerusalem. They want to put someone else on my throne. Give me a moment. Well, Isaiah did come right over. Such a nice man. He said some encouraging words, and the siege was broken. But uh, my army had been reduced to there weren't enough chariots to circle a tea party. And I need my chariots. They're so cute. So they come invading again. I had to get help, so I'm... Hoo-hoo. Over here, take a blazer, big boy. Yes, needed the Assyrian help. They have an army like you wouldn't believe. 
so we worked out a deal. He did away with that nasty, nasty king, Syria. All done. Well, you have to pay the help. Hello. So I sent over a few gold and silver things from the temple. Quite a few things, actually. Tiglath Pleaser has expensive tastes. And, well, Israel had to become an Assyrian tributary. I hate that word, tributary. We're just friends. But I made an appearance in Damascus. Got a little shopping. I saw this beautiful Baal God altar. Just love the decor. Had one just like it built in Jerusalem. Became very popular. Everybody wanted to have one. Well, the fertility rituals did get a little out of hand, but you should hear the writer of Chronicles playing the harlot under every spreading tree. Oh, please. We didn't do anything. Anything that, well, those God's people up in Israel hadn't been doing forever. They had more high places than a donkey has fleas. And now Isaiah's making noises about allegiance to the God of heaven. You're making sacrifices on the wrong altar. Walter Schmalter. We can have our little idols and Mr. Big too, can't we? Well, I began to see uh, more characters like this Ahaz around among the kings of Israel. Don't stand for anything, just go with the flow, spineless, the weak. It's like they're spreading sacrifices by the score around the temple, but paying Baal and Ashtoreth off under the table. So, maybe that's a basic human problem. A likely suspect is just no guts. The prophets? Prophets kept trying to get these kings to stand up right, or at least sit upright on the throne. Don't reduce God to a piece of carved wood. Yeah, but small men weren't even smaller gods. A few kings, yes, the kings, did manage to stand against the tide. There was Joash, Josiah, Hezekiah, Jehoshaphat. But they had revivals, reestablished the covenant, but there were just little interruptions in a long downward slide. In the end, Israel, Judah, conquered, temple destroyed. So maybe, maybe evil prevails because we're just too weak. We go with the flow into the ash heap. That got me thinking, wait, 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 wait a minute. We've got this nation supposed to keep the light on the God of heaven, right? Keep hoping the Messiah alive, and it gets run over. Well, who bears the real blame for that? The people who got conquered or the ones doing the conquering? What about the other kings? Huh? Kings of Babylon, Egypt, Assyria. They were always on the make, trying to swallow up this little Israel as part of their big operation. Always had an empire, but it was never big enough. <laughs> Maybe that's the real issue. I mean, it's one thing to be weak, but what about straight-up cruelty, violence? I mean, Assyrian kings had that in spades. They bragged about their captive kings, diced up, prisoners skinned alive. Sennacherib, for example. Now this guy, an Assyrian king, he's out and about, throwing his army around like a picnic blanket. Throws it all over Israel. Yeah. Lays siege 
to Jerusalem in Hezekiah's reign. Well, what type of character is that? I decided this is basically just a tough guy, old school tough guy. We've seen the girly girl gone bad. This is the manly man gone bad, okay? What would tough guy Sinatra say if you stuck him in a lineup? So I have my crew all around the place, see? These heebs, they keep talking smack about their big temple. We got bigger. We got ziggurats back in Nineveh make your eyes roll back in your head. You can only conquer so many cities before it starts to get a little flat. You want to take a break? Go lay out by the Euphrates. Yeah. But this wuss, Hezekiah, keeps telling these fools inside the walls that their God's going to come and save them. So he says to him, I sent out a message to him loud and clear. Yeah, they was listening, hanging over the walls, shaking in their sandals. I says, has any other God of any other nation been able to take me on? I don't think so. I got notches in my belt. Amoth, Arpad, Sepharphim. You never heard of them places? I wonder why. And if you still think your God's gonna come down and save your sorry necks, let me tell you a little secret. He's the one who come down here and told me, give you, give you your spanking because you kissed off the covenant, whatever that is. Anyway, God's on the side of the biggest army. bloody Assyrian. Yes, it was people like him. The what? Eventually took down Jerusalem. Burned the temple to the ground. Let's not make excuses for the guy holding the guns, how I look at it. Let him face the music for a change. the type that's always got to have his foot on somebody's neck. He's got to put down. He's got to control. That's a, that's a likely suspect for sure. When we stop yapping about all our little sins and nail the tough guys. Sure, that's the basic human problem. It's the cruel that are responsible for Jesus' death. So, by the time I got to the Messiah, I had some pretty good suspects lined up, people who had good reason to be behind the crime. And all I had to do was put a tail on the victim himself, follow him around Judea, Galilee, find out exactly what happens. Yeah, all I had to do was one thing. See which one of these suspects showed up. Who was making the most trouble? Who was out to get Jesus? Cruelty, weakness, indifference, ignorance, prejudice. 
Well, guess what? Now a whole new suspect shows up. All this time I've been looking at the people out to get the Messiah or destroy Israel's religion or even betray the faith. What if the chosen themselves are the problem? I mean, the religious leaders, the temple types. What if religion itself is the likeliest of suspects? The Pharisees? You've got to get wise to them. They're always trying to drum up some religious charge against this Jesus guy. It seemed they were out to get this rival rabbi out from the get-go. Again, you've got to see the type. Who would that be? Who's the profile? Wound up really tight. Holding tight to their old ways. and Proud, stuffy people. I remember the kind. I call him Pharisee Montague. Put a spotlight on him, interrogating people who had run into Jesus. The Pharisees like to do that. A lot. Very well. Woman caught in the act of adultery. Step forward, please. Now you, madam, have been making quite a fuss about pardon. As if this man could wave his hand and wipe out a lifetime of transgressions. Let's be honest. When you were brought to the temple to be dealt with, it was some, not just one little misstep, but a long line of improprieties. Now we don't take stoning lightly. We don't condone it for trivial offenses, but when it comes to the sacred covenant of marriage, you must understand our position. And this man sprinkles on little wise, oh, let him who is without sin cast the first stone. What, we can't execute murderers unless we find someone perfect to do it? And he, he sprinkles on a little go and sin no more. Oh, jolly good. Have a nice cry and you'll feel much better. This man has no respect for our way of life. From his years of experience making tables and chairs, he claims to reduce the entire law into one trite little saying, love God, love your neighbor. What? Centuries of precept, pronouncement, tradition are suddenly chaff in the wind? No, ladies and gentlemen, God is definitely in the details. Lazarus, step forward, please. Good of you to pay us a visit from the grave, is it? Now, you actually claim that you were once in deceased. Lay over there in a tomb in Bethel for four days. And this man summons you out. The grave closed far off. And you're walking about with a fine how-do-you-do to Mary and Martha, your sisters. Now, Lazarus, isn't it time to admit that if you're indeed dead, it's quite impossible to know that you're dead? How can you say that you were in the tomb for four days? Kept checking the time, did we? Now we, we understand your motives. You admire the man like all the little people. But when it comes to the sacred covenant, is it not possible that, that in the coolness of the tomb you, you revived perhaps, came out of a coma? Everyone says you are thoroughly dead. Completely dead. Isn't that just dandy? Now see here, we can't have people popping willy-nilly out of their tombs, now can we? 
These things must be planned. Well, at this point, I'm getting a little interested, see? I figure if these uh, stuffed shirts are after the kid, was he 30? Maybe he wasn't such a sap after all. Yeah. Maybe more legit than I thought. Take a look at him. He had a way of making able-bodied men drop their fishing business and run after him like he had the winning lottery ticket. Jesus throws out his net and gathers in some catch. Lepers and prostitutes, embezzlers and fanatics. And instead of dragging them off, throwing them in the deep end, he's got them in his boat, turns them into first citizens of the kingdom. I've spent my life looking for clues, signs of guilt, the way a voice may waver, the twitch of an elbow, the right word at the wrong time. Any little sign that might uncover a crime. This Jesus character looks for some little flicker of faith and some wretch grabs hold of that and turns it into a life. One minute, you've got nothing, and then you're walking out on the deep blue sea. It doesn't figure, but there's more to this victim than I thought. Victim. Anyway, here's a guy who's spreading out his net and the religious blokes are trying to cut holes in it. Oh, you're unclean, you're a foreigner, you missed the regulation back there. They were scheming and plotting. They tried to do away with this unauthorized rabbi and they were there at the scene of the crime mocking and gloating the Pharisees. Pretty much nailed it for me. Religion is the likeliest of suspects. Well, guess what? As soon as I thought I had the perp down for sure, got him, all the other suspects show up at the scene. They arrive just to complicate things. Ignorance? <laughs> Ignorance shows up right there. Just like that old Philistine Lester type. Malicious ignorance, prejudice. I saw it plain as day in that crowd gathered before Pontius Pilate different race, different characters, but uh, same old character, personality, type, suspect. They had a chance to do the right thing that day. But what happened instead? What happened to this mob gathered before Pilate? Got that Jesus fella up there in a heap of trouble. Suppose he can't be Mr. Miracle Man with all them Roman soldiers around. Well, I'm just here do a little Passover, you know. Have priests say a good word to him. Can get away with a whole lot at the right time. Passover. Yeah. Pilate. Pilate's up there. He got two fellers with him. That's Barabbas. Yeah, that's a fighting boy. From the moment his mother birthed him. 
Yeah, he taught them Roman soldiers a thing or two. I took down some Roman soldiers. We're supposed to choose, Pilate says, which one to go free. The healing rabbi or the murder environment. Jesus or Barabbas? I think it's a trick question. Trying to get one up on us. Oh, I know he's supposed to be a good man. Love your neighbor and all that stuff. Yeah. But he's got a, a bunch of tax collecting snake bellies and street walking women running after him. Something ain't right with that boy. And it's a known fact, he says, Gentiles going into the headline, into the kingdom. They got so much faith. We've been waiting all this time. Now that Tom, Dick, and Harry from Parts Unknown walk right up to the kingdom table, stuff his face. Come on. Doesn't know. He's Gentile. Humbo, jumbo, mumbo, jumbo. None but bowing and scraping their filthy idols all the time. He doesn't know, had, hadn't had to live around them. But lazy, ignorant people. Now, we as children, yeah, my papa's children. My papa's papa's children. My papa's papa's papa. All children. But this Jesus boy, spouting love your enemy, <laughs> he plays right in their hands. You can't have that. At least Barabbas stands up to him like a man. Well, I think I'm going for the murder environment. I wasn't born yesterday. I take Barabbas. Yeah, ignorance showed up. Made a play at the scene. Ignorance had just enough nerve to do it. Prejudice, getting its licks in. That don't give me anything better attitude. Send Jesus to his execution, sure as I'm Sammy Slade. But the thing of it is, that mob didn't exactly get Jesus up that hill, bruised and bloodied by itself. Now did it? What about the Roman soldiers? Hmm? Yeah. Got a kick out of planting a crown of thorns on his head. They were there, mocking him. They're not responsible. They're not trigger men. Human cruelty. Yes. It threw its weight around that day. It was there mocking. It was the tough guy again, just like Sinatra, the bloody Assyrian. It was there at the crucifixion. Same old face, different race. The Roman tough guy showed up and made the scene. Cruelty showing up. The Roman tough guy. My boys, yeah, I let them have a little fun. Let off some steam. You gotta be tough in this line of work. And who is the king of the Jews anyway? Who would want the job? It's like king of the cockroaches. No, no, not the ropes. This one we nail up. Yeah, people come crying to me, okay? He healed my child. I was walking now. I used to be a leper. Yeah, Hebrews get used to it. The cross is terminal. 
Yeah. Maybe he was a good man. Maybe he's a blooming saint. It's not my business. I do my job. I keep the crazies from taking over. Somebody who don't deserve it goes down, so be it. They got to fear us. You find another way to rule the world, you let me know. Yeah, boys, just put a spear in his side. Let's get this over with. Everybody looks the same to me dead anyway. Yep, human cruelty showed up, just following orders, but they didn't have to bloody him up that bad. Executions don't have to go down that way. Left a lot of fingerprints there at the scene of the crime. But something else showed up too. What about the man who had Jesus fade in his palm for a moment? Pilate could have saved him, right? Well, the more I looked at this big Pilate, the more I saw all those other kings who, bottom line, couldn't stand against evil when the going got tough, the, the weak, the spineless. Yeah, Pilate seemed to fit that type, the woman gone bad. Seen the manly man gone bad, girly girl gone bad. Here's hearing news about the condemned man getting free. What would be the reaction if this were a high-powered woman ruler with classic, classic girly girl problems? Oh, come in, come in. Always nice to have the high priest pay us a visit. Love what you've done with the temple. It's just beautiful. Now, about your report of the soldiers guarding the tomb. The problem is, gentlemen, he escaped following his execution. Yes. And as you know, my, the big empire, yes, Rome, has no business crucifying people over theology. Whatever. But I did you a favor. Let's pretend it's all about disloyalty to Caesar. Yes. And now, look what's happened. Our big, strong soldiers claim that the little disciples came and stole the body. Isn't that special? How could it have happened? Well, because they were all sleeping. Remember there, eyewitness testimony. Your Honor, we saw them take the body while we were sleeping. Zeus, give me strength. And now the word on the street is the alleged corpse is flitting about Galilee, seeing old friends, cooking breakfast by the lake. Touch me here, touch me there, I'm back. And you can't find him. Well, re-corpsify him if you have to. I want his name off everyone's mind. Excuse me. I have to go wash my hands again. Something's going around and I don't want to catch it. Yeah. Pilate covered up. Pilate hid as the weak always do. He didn't just conspire to commit, draw a bad hand. He conspired to commit, yes. This is the guy to let the mob carry the day. That's my take on the per Pilate. So, 
guess what? I had all these suspects lined up. People had good reason to be behind the crime. Did ignorance kill Jesus? Yes. Guilty. Weakness and difference slay the Messiah? Absolutely. Cruelty, part of the crime? Guilty. Did religion kill this Messiah? Yes, it did. There's blood on everybody's hands. From the girly girl gone bad, classic female problems, the manly man gone bad, classic male problems, ignorant prejudice down here, sophisticated pride up there, everybody's hands. And, and that's when it hit me, like a clue falling out of somebody's pocket. They all didn't want him around just because he was better. He had a grip on a nobility they could not touch. He was a rebuke to all their dirty laundry. Jesus died because he was just too bright. I've seen so many bad things in this world. Put him in jail. It affects you more than you can imagine. It makes, makes it hard for you to see somebody who's so bright he could be the light of the world? People are forever pushed to put down the best among us. Any standard higher than our own can't be the real thing. Well, guess what? Maybe this old Jesus still makes a showing here and there, sneaking up on us, disguised in a kid who's too pure for his own good, man who stays true when there's no money in it. You know what? The innocent barely survive. They barely survive high school. Barely survive the politics at work. Bottom line, righteousness rubs us the wrong way. Oh, we may salute, say the right words about ideals, but it doesn't sit right in our guts. When we bow down, our fists are clenched. When we smile, our jaw is set. Why did Jesus, why did Jesus have to die? It's not the Philistine problem, Syrian problem, Jewish problem. It's the human problem. It's not ignorant jealousy over there, cruelty, indifference that way. It's in here. It makes every heart deceitful. It makes a Judas of us all. Maybe all the troubles of the world are gathered at some dump called Golgotha. Maybe my troubles why I don't want to hear about it. I, I pass it off as a line for saps, foolishness. The good news sounds out of whack to me. Romans <laughs> lays out a contract. This is what God does for you. Twelve chapters. This is what you do. One line. Believe in him. Galatians grabs you by the throat. Throw out every other angle you have, every other in. There's just you empty and grace Ephesians pictures us at the right hand of the Almighty as if all the noble and grand in this man were a title on our names. Corinthians throws out a net, Jesus' old net of reconciliation for all of us. The ignorant, the proud, the mean, the weak, 
the religious, the ones who couldn't care less. The offer's on the table for everyone, and it all flows out of the blood staining the scene of the crime. One thing I can tell you, there comes a time when crime catches up with you. I don't, I don't mean just the stuff on the six o'clock news, the, the criminals out there. I mean the words in here. You've given anything to take back. I mean the kid you let down, the spouse you hurt, regrets, things you can't do over. Sometimes somewhere they catch up with you and you've got no alibi. You've got no cover. There's just you and this detective in here asking questions you cannot answer. Why'd I do that? When it does catch up with you, wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be grand if there were this much forgiveness poured out, spread around? I mean, it seems hard to believe, but what if there was a man who could put you under the brightest of spotlights and look right through you and declare you innocent, pardoned, covered, just like that? Like you had no rap sheet, like you had day one again. Seems hard to believe, but maybe Sammy Slade can't just be a detective anymore at the foot of the cross. Thank you and God bless you and the blood at the scene of the crime. Our last scripture reading is Romans 5, 6 through 8, in our Pew Bible, page 1041. Since we now have been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only, this, not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received our reconciliation. Amen. Thank you. I just wanted to explain briefly about the book table right outside, because obviously today, Sabbath, won't be selling things, but there's a way for you to take materials with you and you can deal with payment at a later time. just need to tell me what materials you're taking. Because I've done three different ways of going through the Bible as a compelling story. And you know we live in a time when a lot of folks have a hard time getting in the Word. This just introduces it as a wonderful story. The first one I created is the one I did first here, Chosen Garment, the whole Bible in one act. It's the best intro to the Bible. They're all on DVD, separately or all together. The second one is Likely Suspects that you just saw. Where, the third is Where's the Plan? The whole Bible in one testimony. Takes a testimony through the Bible story, paralleling, and it shows, it starts with, it, with losing sight of God's plan. And it's especially good, I believe, for people who've been through a divorce or a loss or a tragedy. I don't see any plan. How do you get that back? 
They're all DVDs you can check out. The book that's most big picture-ish is Glimpses of God. I take each one of his attributes and tell a real-life story through history that makes that mercy, justice, omnipotent, close, all those qualities we claim that he does, claim that he is, it shows him doing that. Glimpses of God. If you love to tell stories about God, you'll find the best in there. There's two Nav Press books, Secrets of the Mustard Seed, Secrets of Jesus' Touch. Secrets of the Mustard Seed is about if the New Testament had Ten Commandments, what would they be? You ever wondered what Jesus' top ten words of advice are? I had to do an exhaustive study. Every command, exhortation, and these are the top ten. So practical. The New Testament. You can disarm difficult people by spotting their needs. You can encourage people with a musical language of grace. And Secrets of Jesus' Touch is about why this man had incredible charisma. And in studying the New Testament again, I discovered he kind of touched ten things specifically in other people that he turned to gold. And we can touch in his way, with his power. This is about empowering your relationships. Top ten words of advice, empowering your relationships. I have a very big burden about prayer. Some dear friends, uh, I'm stumbled. And, well, you know, sometimes it's like God helps you find your watch when you lose it. But you've been praying the last five years for this huge thing and running into a brick wall. I just had to find answers for my friends. And I believe the New Testament has very specific ways to make prayer more answerable, if only God would answer. And if you're a Sabbath school teacher, leader, teach or write great stories and how to tell them, how to be a better storyteller, and takes our 27 basic beliefs and how a real-life story makes that doctrine come alive for someone, shows its veracity, its truthfulness. This is one... I believe since I was here last, I created a novel. It's called Route 66 Revisited, The Bible as a Road Trip. How many books in the Bible? Right. And you know that the, this road, the Route 66 is this incredible journey through America with so much history and anecdote and story. Well, I have an L.A. celebrity photographer take off on the road trying to save his anorexic sister. He thinks he has to. Well, he meets some big adventures on the road with this book club. And each eccentric individual, the main people meet on the road, embodies a theme of a book in the Bible in some way. So it's just a very fun way of going through the Bible as a road trip. But um, I will be back there to answer your questions. It's been wonderful to be with you. God bless.